0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, happy Friday. This has been the longest week ever, but you made it, I made it, it's been great. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast where we talk about everything Indiana Pacers. As always... I am one of the hosts of the show. Tony East with Forbes covering the Pacers for Forbes Sports Money now. Uh, just posted something for them about the challenges the Pacers will have building their roster if they are to sign a Max guy this summer. So the, the struggles they'll have to fill it out around that guy. But I think it's a cool little outlook on their cap scenarios. So go check that out. Um, today on the pod, we're talking about TJ Leaf. We're doing our player season recap series with Leaf. I did McDermott and Leaf this week to get a... Two guys kind of on the back, if you want to call that the back, uh, of the rotation uh, out of the way. So we can either do guys who have the high potential or you know, are the, at the back of the bench or guys who actually made more of an impact this year uh, when Adam is more involved. So that'll be next week. Uh, but I wanted to do Leaf today. Um, and Leaf is interesting. Leaf, I'm starting to see a dichotomy forming uh, on Leaf on Twitter some people like him and want him to see him play more, given the skills he showed this year. Some uh, don't like him at all, think he shouldn't even be in the NBA. Uh, I think there is actually some merit to both sides, given the way his uh, first two years have gotten in the league, but we're going to do this pros, cons, future. So let's start with the pros of TJ Leaf, uh, and I think a good place to start is that he showed different skills year two than in year one. So Leaf actually shot 60% from two-point range this season. Uh, let me, he was one make shy of being over 60%. He is 59.9, 91 for 152 after being under 50% last year. Um, his, uh, last year he was like a shooter, and we'll talk about his shooting in the next segment, <laughs> which uh, I just gave away that it's in the con section, which is bad. But um, he wasn't much of an inside threat. Now you've heard Pritchard talk a lot, or is it Nate? At Pritchard, I can't remember. One of the the head honchos has talked multiple times about how they think he is one of the better post games on the whole team, and they include Sabonis in that when they say the best or one of the best. And he did show off some stuff down, down there. He 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 showed a lot of patience, which I think takes a lot of a lot for a young guy to to have. You know, a lot of young guys just want to get into their move and get the bucket. Leaf really takes his time, assesses what his teammates are doing, what the defender's doing. You know, he's kind of limited in move pool, but he has enough variety to get it done. And he can shoot enough that he can just pop away if if they're leaning heavily on one of his sides. So that post game and that that inside scoring really blossomed for him. Uh, From 0-3 feet, he finished at 73%. This year only 61% last year. That's a huge improvement. Uh, nine more dunks shows he's being a little more explosive, getting to the basket and all that stuff, despite not playing a crazy higher of minutes. So I think he did show that his touch around the basket is better, uh, and he's just a bit better of a finisher. Another thing I think he showed an improvement in this year is on the glass. And some of this, the numbers increase, like the raw numbers increase. You know, his total rebounding Uh, went up his defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding went up some of that is the product of uh, a bit more of an expanded role his minutes went up a tiny bit per game um, as well as him playing more around the basket like I just talked about however uh, some of that also is actual improvement from year one to year two and you can see that in rebound percentage um, which has less to do with you know how much time he plays Um, And has more to do with you know what he's doing for the team his offensive rebound rate went up over two percent nearly ten percent Which is pretty good. I mean there's ten players in the core, right? So a ten percent offensive rebound rate means if everybody had an equal shot Everybody get ten percent, but big you know offensive rebounds are lower than that and ten percent is very good (laughs) Think of it like that. I shouldn't have explained it in that much depth his rebound rate went up three percent his defensive Rebound rate went up four percent Uh, He was much better on the glass. We actually saw that in the preseason. He was getting all those putbacks against the Rockets, if you'll remember. Throwback to the very first game uh, of the year uh, in the preseason against the Rockets. So he did show some stuff on the glass, which I thought was big from him because he didn't really have any secondary skills his rookie year. He was okay at it. Some other people have pointed out to me when I've tweeted that uh, his rebounding looks better. They said, no, no, no. Uh, He had that his rookie year, and I never noticed it. Maybe I wasn't looking that that could be totally my fault. Um... But yeah he uh he did show some some improvement in that area, other than that he just made the incremental like rookie to sophomore improvements, you know his passing was better uh his turnovers were down, he was a little bit better positioning on d uh in fact a lot better positioning on d and that's what I wanna talk about now uh I know Leaf's one on one defense is not very good, mostly his team defense is horrible, however. He actually was pretty good at physically contesting shots this year, like noticeably good at getting his hand in guys' faces right when they let it go. He's kind of awkward in the way he extends, and sometimes he runs by guys, but it worked this season, and maybe it's kind of small sample but defending four shots per game, uh, the shooting average percentage you'd expect given the shot profile he allowed would have been 45.2%, and he allowed his sh- sh- opponent to shoot 34.3%, 10.9% lower than average is what he forced with his defense that includes a substantial increase in blocks. And we should have seen this coming when he back to said preseason game against the Rockets when he blocked Chris Paul in that game that he was better at, at, at shot contests and things of that nature, but uh, he was a lot better at that specifically. That is where he showed to me the most improvement is staying home on his man He's not just a complete sieve that guys can go by. Again, his team defense still struggles. He's all, almost always late to help in the lane. He's a little slow-footed when he has to step over and cut off a driver, but when his man has the ball and is trying to, to dribble past him, he actually showed, showed some uh, some stuff on that end of the floor that, that impressed me. So credit to Leaf for getting better uh, in that way. But now we'll do the mighty cons of TJ Leaf. And the reason a lot of people think he should be playing more uh, with the Mad Ants, so uh, let's take a quick break and then talk about T.J. Leaf seasons and his cons. So, T.J. Leaf, rookie year, takes uh, what was it, 52, 42 threes? I was going to say 52. 42 threes, yes, I nailed that. Uh, and hit 18 of them. So, that's 43%. And we all watched him play. He had this kind of nice high arcing thing, and uh it looked good coming out of his hands it went in and we all just said okay you know maybe maybe this guy's a shooter and in college at UCLA granted everything's a little easier but 58 attempts there made 27 at 47 percent two seasons of evidence that say maybe Leafs a shooter now I did kind of put him in that bucket of a stretch for but I also said, hey guys, like that—that that in total is a hundred attempts. Like that is not indicative of how good of a shooter a guy is, especially when you consider, you know, the Lonzo effect in college and all this stuff. But this year, my my trepidation of calling him a shooter came around 31 attempts. So also, so I also will say this: 31 attempts this year. That's also very low, and this could have just been a fluky bad stretch, and he could actually be the guy he was. The other two years, eight for thirty-one this year. That's twenty-six percent. If they wanted him to be a stretch four, that's terrible. And Kalen Cooper did a lot of the legwork here um, on like the noticeable difference in his shot. But it was, you know, he, he when he was skinnier his rookie year, it had like arc and and was better formed. It would go up. This year it was much flatter as he added this muscle that allowed him to be good inside, but thus hurt his three pointer quite a bit. It was much flatter. Uh, I think two of his makes were in like, the last week of the season. It was a struggle for him from deep. Now, there have been a ton of data studies about how free throw percentage actually has a very big bearing on shooting uh, percentage and like predicting how good a guy will be as a shooter in the NBA. Leave was a 68% free throw shooter at UCLA. That's not super awesome. Uh, and in the NBA, his free throws have also been bad, 62%. So there, I, I think there's enough evidence for me to say that he might not be a good shooter But there's not enough on either side to say. But in this con section, when reviewing his past season, we had to talk about it as a con because he shot 26%. And we would have liked, you know, everybody wants him to see him take that step forward. Um, But it just didn't happen. Like he shot so well from two and he couldn't get his true shooting percentage up to 60 because he couldn't get that three ball to fall. You know, he took about the same amount as Sabonis if he had hit. 10, if he hits 11, I think he gets a 60 true shooting percentage. He shoots about a third from deep. I think we're talking a lot differently about uh, the jump he made because now I think the way we're talking about Leaf, and this is totally fair because the way it ha- – oh, man, if you can hear rain, I'm sorry. I just started pouring. Um, I think part of what happened is we thought he was the stretch guy who had no inside game, and then he only had an inside game this year and wasn't a stretch at all. So to see him flip that much – it's like, is this improvement or is this like completely new skill set and player? It was, it was all sorts of wacky uh, to see how that goes. I think another thing with Leaf that was that was bad. Uh, he couldn't really get on the court. Uh, they didn't even have a backup four, and they'd rather have bad play than him a lot of the time. Only fifty-eight games in year two for Leaf. Uh, he only got two games over twenty minutes. Although they were both wins for the Pacers, um, so that was good. And useful. He played very well in the two games he played a bunch. 7 for 12 against Minnesota and 12 for 19 in that final game of the season. He was awesome in that last game. Um, but just the shooting is, is like a huge thing to me. Because if he's not a stretch 4, he's going to have to get much better on defense to be on the floor. Like as we've seen with Thad, he's not a stretch 4. He's good at a lot of other stuff. Leafs pretty much only good at contesting shots and rebounding right now. He's got to get better at team defense. He's got to be a better passer and ball mover, a better screener. I don't think he sets many, if any, screens. Right now, that's another con for him. If he's going to be a 4 even a small ball 5, 9% of his minutes at center again this year, which is encouraging any of whom. Um, I think he's going to have to be better at a lot of things that aren't just you can finish well inside and contest some shots. Now, those two skills do show promise that he could blossom into something, uh, especially considering he improved pretty much across the board in the areas that weren't shooting this year but uh the shot has to be better to me and another thing i think is he's got to be better at getting to the line very low free throw attempt rate about 15 percent. Uh, especially when he's not hitting them that can help his efficiency quite a bit to so just get there more uh even at 60 percent, that's still more efficient than just about anything although a two-pointer for him this year was almost as efficient as a free throw which is very very rare <laughs> But, yeah, I think uh, the three ball is a big one, and then team defense is a big one. Uh, I don't really have a good way to quantify it. You know, like like defensive rating is a team stat that's kind of indicative, but not really at all. Actually, it's not at all. (laughs) It's terrible. But, you know, his, his defensive rating, still not super solid when he's on the floor, although it was a little better than last year, but the whole team's defense was awesome this year, so that's why it's better. It's not because I felt like he was better at team defense, but... I think he needs just reps, 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 reps to get better at that. It's a lot of, you know, you're under the basket and you it's pattern recognition, right? You see it happen and you know right away where you need to, to be sliding to stand given where everyone else is geometrically on the floor. You know, uh, if this guy cuts, you're going to have to turn your body differently so you can cut off a certain pass or something like that. It's like those little things that you'll see more and more and more with time on the floor that help you get better at Team D. Because when you're a step slow, you start fouling. Uh, He did foul uh, quite a bit, uh, less than last year, but still was was a bit of a fouler out there. Um, So I think think that'll help him there. And then obviously, if he's so good at contesting, you want him to be in the right position to do so. And he can't be if he's a step slow or beaten or whatever he happens to be. So I think that he can obviously we know he can do some work in the team defense area and uh, when the team sets a screen on him he basically becomes useless he's not great at the drop coverage the Pacers try to do all the time and he's not quick enough to recover on anybody so he gets kind of stuck in those scenarios but I think the shot could come back you know he showed in times that he could shoot I'm I I don't know how I fall there Um, and I think pattern recognition will help him a lot on D so I think there's room for him to improve in the areas that he needs to the most but uh, it's going to be tough because playing time might still be hard for him to come by next year. Depends how the roster ends up shaking out. Speaking of how the roster shakes out in TJ Leaf's future, let's talk about that after a break. Guys, before we talk about the future, this summer TJ Leaf might be doing some recruiting to get guys to Indiana. Let's talk about Zip Recruiter because Zip Recruiter is awesome. Hiring is really hard for everybody. Finding qualified candidates is a pain. It takes up time that you could be working there's too many applicants you don't know how to sort through it all zip recruiter makes it easy they got algorithms to send you qualified candidates really fast um over 80 percent of employers who use zip recruiter find an employee that they need within our qualified candidate they need within the first day all you have to do is sign up on there uh go to ziprecruiter.com slash locked on uh and you can have a nice quick free first experience over there on zip recruiter. it'll send you hundreds of applicants right away it matches you up with applicants sends you the best ones using their powerful matching technology it's fantastic go check it out ziprecruitercom slash locked on recruiting can be easier it's the smartest way to hire check out zip recruiter so tj what's next for the man i have wondered if some of the you know some of like the trades for Conley, Giroux, whoever the heck people want to trade for, if they include Leaf because they don't want him here, or they actually think the other team wants him, I can't decide, Um, because I don't think he has negative value, he definitely doesn't have negative value, he's only done two years in the league, Uh, he's very young still, I think he's 22, just over 22 definitely has room to grow so he's not a negative and he shows skills but I don't know how much of a positive he is or what he would fetch in return if anything um so I think you know a lot of times when teams like I remember with Tori and Prince we talked about this teams send out like generic flyers for players like we want a young player and a pick you know TJ Leaf can be your young player filler or something like that I don't think he has negative value, and uh, you know, obviously, positive value is the opposite of that, But I think he might just be neutral value on his current deal. However, he has the potential to become positive value, and it's very hard for him to become negative value. So I think that because of those things, he might he he be more asset than uh than than liability if you wanted to rank his trade value like that. But I don't like calling players necessarily assets; more so their contracts. Anywho, um, so in a trade. You know he could be a guy that a team goes for, although I don't know. Again, just because I just said that, like I think his value is pretty small, and because of that, I don't know that he's super likely to be traded. Like I think he's like the fourth most likely guy to be traded this summer. That could be a fun thing for me and Adam to talk about uh, ranking the most likely to least likely guy to be traded on the team. I'd probably put him like third or fourth. But not super high. I think they kind of want him back. They the the Pacers like to give their guys three to four years. Uh, I don't, you know, they declined Solomon Hill. I bet they wish they kept him on that rookie scale one year longer. Um, I bet the Pelicans wish they they did that too, uh, because he got better after they declined his option. But yeah, you know, they 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 gave Joe Young a lot of time. I think Niang's the only and well Ek, but he got hurt so many times. Niang's the only guy they didn't give extended time to uh, in the last half decade that they drafted. So I think Leaf's going to be around this next year and they're going to try to give him a chance. Um I think they like I think they know that they need to try to get at least one young guy minutes and I think Holiday will but if you can sneak a few Leaf minutes in there, maybe 10 to 15 instead of 5 to 10 like last year, that's only good for your team if he can keep you guys afloat when he's out there and improve. So I think they'll try to do that is my official guess on what happens with Leaf. However, there's a way that he's traded, uh, and there's a way he's out of the rotation, depending on what happens this summer, and that makes his future kind of murky. And 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 and, at the end of August, they have to decide on his fourth year team option. So rookie scale deals are rookie year ahead. So if they pick up the option, they'll have him confirmed on the books for the next two years, and his fourth year options uh, four point something million. So that is actually an interesting decision. Would you rather have four point something million of space or the fourth year of Leafs deal before strict free agency? And you can't know how much he's going to improve. I mean, you have those first two weeks of games uh, to decide. But last year, they they picked up um, Leaf and Sabonis' before Media Day even happened. Uh, They they generally know they're playing pretty early. They know they can't be wasting assets here in Indiana. So I would bet, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say 51% chance that that gets picked up. I think it's more likely than not. But I'm not very confident in that answer. Uh, that there's a lot of factors playing into that, that that's going to be a very interesting decision for the team and I think they might wait up till the deadline this time instead of before media day because they can actually see him play the first two weeks of the season before they have to decide and in the preseason that's why a lot of young guys play so much in the preseason I wonder if he'll play in summer league I kind of doubt it this time it's his third year that seems like too old to be in summer league but we'll see um but i think his future is a little murky but i don't know what it is it's just all opinion i have no source reporting on anybody um so we'll see but i think i think i'm more confident if i had to pick a side that he's on the roster next year and getting some sort of low end backup minutes uh, as they try to develop him a little more but we'll have to see uh we'll have to see i i just don't know thank you guys for tuning in and enjoying the show this week i'm sorry we're down to 3 episodes a week um but they're good and they're fun to do re- pre-player reviews and still talk about free agency a bit within them. So it's fun for everybody. Uh, we'll be back Monday. Me and Adam will figure out something to talk about. Maybe we'll do that trade value thing. I like that idea. Uh, don't forget to check out ZipRecruiter.com backslash Locked On. Thank you guys for listening and have a great weekend.